Hey, 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 everyone. Fraser Brooks here coming at you with the Network Marketing Ninja Podcast, episode 98. Can you believe it? We are 98 episodes in. It's funny because I say that literally every single episode, how I cannot believe how many episodes we are in here. Uh, but we are keeping this, uh, this ball rolling. This show is moving. I'm excited about it because today uh, I'm interviewing a new friend of mine who has such an incredible uh, story, background, progression, trajectory, uh, and value to share as well. He's massively into the coaching space, speaking, mentoring, training, coaching, generically from a from a, from a business standpoint. And I, I believe that you guys as network marketers can learn so, so much for some of the insight from his story and the nuggets that he's going to be sharing. So Lewis Raymond Taylor, how are you doing, buddy? Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Really looking forward to this one today. Oh, uh, well, mate, before we get start, before we get started, I've got some quick fire questions for you, just so the listeners can yeah. get to know you a little bit more. So yeah. pizza or pasta? It would be pizza, but I would take the pasta. You know, <laughs> I, I like the pizza, but I'm trying to, you know, try and be a little bit more conscious of the food I eat. So yeah, I would go for pizza, but I would pick pasta. So mate, here, here's my here's my opinion now. I'll have a gluten-free pizza with the vegan cheese and then it's basically mm. and then it's basically healthy um that probably tastes awful doesn't it It tastes like a flip-flop yeah uh <laughs> to be fair it's 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 rank but hey it's uh yeah um, okay i don't know if i'll try that but so you're you're living over in bali so mm-hmm. city vibes or beach vibes I was just, yeah, I just mentioned it recently that I love the beach vibes. You know, we can walk down to the beach, not even wearing flip-flops. You know, I haven't worn pants in months. But at the same time, I do like the contrast of being able to, you know, put some pants on and actually step into the city and, you know, have some of those vibes as well. So to be honest, you can't pick one or the other. You've just got to bounce between the two, you know, and, and, and enjoy everything the world's got to offer. Mate, I've been in Dubai now for four months and I have not put a pair of pants on once. Oh, wow. Um, so you're living both lives. You're living the beach life in the city. That's, yeah. That's... yeah. I've rocked the Nike shorts, literally. I've, I've not changed shorts for four months. It's kind of crazy. Um, read a book, listen to an audio or podcast, or watch a video. Watch a video. I'm very visual. I need to see those moving components. Me too, mate. Me too. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more a listener and a, and a watcher more than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than I am. Yep. Um, for a red Ferrari or a convertible Jeep? Well, I've actually once uh, rented, I'll have to put the full disclosure, it's not, <laughs> it wasn't mine, but I once rented a red Ferrari and did a promo video in it. I did the whole, look oh. at me, I'm an online, you know, I do the online business stuff. And I thought, well, if I'm doing online business now, I have to rent a red Ferrari. That's, <laughs> and I had to pop a bottle of champagne with a woman in a, in a hot tub. And uh, I learned quickly from that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did once have a, uh, for one day, a red Ferrari. So I guess I'll pick that. Oh, go on, mate. Nice. Well, I appreciate the, trans- I appreciate the transparency. Um, dinner out or dinner in? I eat breakfast, lunch and dinner out. And I have them for years. Whoa. Go That's on, one man. of the, do you know what? That's one of the freedoms. When I was like building my business, I was like, do you know what? I would just love to be able to have whatever food I want and not think about how much it costs. And I'd love to be able to just, jump in a taxi and not think about the fact that it's more expensive and maybe I'll get the train. Mm-hmm. And just those small little freedoms of being able to eat and travel without thinking about how much it costs or, you know, that. so I, I really appreciate those ones. 
It's funny as well. I think it's one of the most important things in life is to find what truly makes you happy from the money that you make. Um, mm. Like a lot of people, when, when you know when you hit milestones and people know you hit milestones, like what what car are you getting, what what house are you mm. gonna get, like, and it's like you know what, like yeah, it's fun and like making that purchase is great and getting the handbag or getting the new pair of trainers or whatever is like it gives you that kind of uh, the adrenaline, I suppose. I know it's a different name, but you know that that buzz. But at the same time it's 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 not as fulfilling so me and Svetlana ours is holidays so every 90 days now we'll we'll book like a really something that we just like we'll never ever forget uh but mm -hmm. also it's like you we we like I actually like eating in but delivering in from nice from nice places okay okay um, okay so yeah nice um, well mate yeah I, pre I appreciate that the quick fire the quick fire round is never quick fire <laughs> Um, it, it, it always goes that way, but maybe you can, maybe you can share with the guys more about who you are, where it started, what the background story is and, and how you, where you are today, impacting and inspiring thousands and thousands of people all over the world. Mm -hmm. So before this, uh, podcast, I briefly asked Fraser, you know, how long have we got for this? And he told me <laughs> 30 minutes and I was thinking, oh my God, how do I get my life into that small time frame because yeah there's been a lot to my story i'm one of those people that's had lots of twists and turns and ups and downs and parts of my journey and i'll try and summarize it it's one of those things that's kind of hard to skip over because you're probably <laughs> going to want to know some of the details of each part but yeah. it start it started off when i was four no but it started off when i was younger and um yeah I, I didn't have the best background you know it wasn't like my family didn't provide for me you know they looked after me, but, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and he was quite emotionally uh, and physically abusive. Um, he put me down a lot, called me a buffoon, tell me I never amount to anything. And, you know, when you're hearing those words from a young age, you believe them. you know, you, you look for the people that, you know, are around you to sort of you know, give you information as how the world works. And that information was fed to me from a young age. And I started to, you know, play into that. So from a very young age, like I was being naughty in school, um, like I was one of the only kids that almost got expelled from primary school. And I'm almost kind of proud of that because I don't think that's been, a, <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever done that before. But yeah, I almost got expelled from primary school. By the time I was 13 years old, I was lighting fires. I was uh, shoplifting and I was getting arrested. I had an antisocial behavior order, like an ASBO when I was 14. I was expelled from school at 15 and I was in a young offenders institution by the time I was 18. So things really progressed quickly and I was causing some serious trouble. And that's because in a nutshell, I thought I was a bad kid. You know, I was being told I was bad by my dad. Then I was getting told that I was bad at school. Then I was getting told I was bad by the police. I even went for a psychiatric assessment during this time at court, um, you know, and they told me that I was had all these mental health problems, antisocial personality disorder and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, just reinforced the fact that I was this bad, unlovable, unwanted, you know, buffoon that I thought I was. And I just played into that and things got progressively worse. It's really difficult to keep this short, but I ended up in prison three times. I ended up an alcoholic, a drug addict. You know, I've had my teeth uh, knocked out, my two front teeth. I've been slashed in the back with a knife. I've had my jaw broken. Um, heavily involved with drinking drugs to the point where I wasn't eating or sleeping for sometimes four or five days in a row. And yeah, I was having epileptic seizures. I was waking up and I was having ECG, like stickers all over me pretty much every weekend. And yeah, just things got worse to the point where I was just sabotaging everything and everyone around me because, you know, I just, just felt like this real big, you know, internal void where I just didn't like myself. And 
you know, I never thought that I would change because I was kind of like the worst of the worst. The people just sort of accepted the fact that I was going to be like that forever. Even my mum said, you know, I know you're not going to make old bones because, you know, you're just constantly putting yourself in these difficult situations and it looks like you're never going to grow out of it. Because at this point I was like 25 years old. And, you know, again, I can't go into all the ins and outs of it because we haven't got enough time, but like some other things happened when I was 11 years old, I was actually sexually abused. When I was uh, 21, my, I walked in and found my dad dead and all these things just built up over my life. And I had trauma and sexual abuse and physical abuse. And at one point it was even so, so difficult that, you know, I actually picked up a knife and slashed both sides of my throat um, and got, got actually sectioned under the mental health act, um, you know, for just being insane. And I was insane at the time, you know, I've got no mental health problems now, I believe I never did, but I was insane at the time because my thinking was just warped. Yeah. And anyway, so to cut a long story short, I was in prison and I was in prison for the third time. And I just realized that I couldn't keep blaming everything and everyone around me for why my life was so difficult. You know, I was playing that blame game, wasn't taking responsibility. And I just realized that if I needed my life to change, I needed to change myself. And from that realization, I've blinked and, and I've been and I live in Bali. You know, I've just realized that I was in control and I could make changes. And that's exactly what I did. I just made one, made one change after the next, after the next, after the next, starting in prison. I mean, just getting my diet in the right place, getting a routine, starting to read, going to the gym, starting my maths and English. And bearing in mind, you know, this, this stuff was new to me. I hadn't even, uh, I left school without my GCSEs. And in the UK, that's like the equivalent of like a 15 year old. So I was starting from scratch. And um, yeah, I started to notice some progress. And when I noticed the progress, I felt a little bit proud and a little bit like, wow, maybe I could do something. I went to rehab for six months, fully intensive rehabilitation treatment center. During that time, I got absolutely broken down and rebuilt. They smashed me to pieces, made me cry and everything. And I hated them for it at the time, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was what I needed. You know, they really called me out on my shit. You know, I went into... Um, I went into rehab with my arms crossed thinking I knew better than everybody else and was hoping they was going to teach me how to not take drugs and not drink. And um, at one point I said to them, look, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to brainwash me. And I'm not listening to all this rubbish. You know, you just keep on doing what you're doing to everybody else, but I'm not listening to it. Um, and I was like, yeah, you, you're just trying to brainwash me. And one of the, um, one of the teachers sat me down and well, one of the uh, counselors sat me down and said, Lewis, your best thinking has put you into prison and now into rehab, maybe your brain needs a good wash. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, you're right. You know, and I realized in that moment that my way wasn't working. Even though I'd made these changes, I was still thinking that I knew best. And, but my thinking kept on putting me in this same shit over and over again. And if I wanted something to change in my life, I had to do something different. And I just started to listen to other people. I started to try the things they were suggesting, drop my ego for a second and do the things that I thought were pointless, like the affirmations and the journaling and the talking about my feelings. Why the hell would I want to do that? And before you knew it, I started to feel a bit better and I started to get a bit of clarity and I started to realize that I've been clean and sober for a little while. And since then it's just fueled me to just want to do more and just make more changes because it, it starts to have a knock on effect. You know, you see a little bit of, progress you see some results you notice some changes and then you're like hmm maybe I want to do a bit more of that maybe I could take another step in that direction and I just take taking one step in front of the next and things just keep getting better and better so that's the the short story of the the transformational part of the drug addict and the prisoner and the convicted criminal and yeah the next stage was uh was going on to help people 
So we've got time to learn a bit about that stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. I think I think it's it, it, it's fun because your story you could probably do in a three day seminar. Yeah. Um, and and you know, and that that's a lot of the key for a lot of people out there is is what's the short, medium, and long term version of your story, and what are the lessons? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you could you could we could do this for three days, and you could give so many nuggets yeah. and lessons and all sorts. I suppose for me, um, I I would love to know like how you went from. How, yeah, like as you mentioned how you went from helping yourself out of necessity really yeah. to wanting to help other people yeah. out of service um mm -hmm. so you could touch on that yeah well i was in because after rehab it was six months fully intensive but i went from prison to rehab so i'd spent like nearly a year and a half in um institution so i wasn't used to spending time in public and having temptation and things like that so i had to start doing alcohol meetings like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotic Anonymous. I go to them every single day, sometimes three in a day to keep me like reminding myself that this was a change that I needed to make and keep myself surrounded by support. And when I was in there, uh, like a homeless, you know, heroin addict of some description came up to me mm -hmm. and he, he asked me for some advice. And I was thinking, what the fuck are you asking me for? I haven't got, <laughs> you know, I can't help you. I'm just as bad as you. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, well, hang on a minute. I've been here a couple of weeks. Actually, you can go for a you know cigarette breaker in in halfway through. You can go and get a cup of tea over there, and there's some literature over on the table if you want to learn a little bit more about the meetings. And I thought, hang on a minute, I've just come out of prison and out of rehab. I've just helped that guy, and then I realised in that moment that although I had a lot of weight, a long way to go, I still had something to offer other people who hadn't quite reached that stage in their journey yet. You know, only had to be one step ahead of the person I was helping. So then after when I was in these drug and alcohol meetings, I was thinking, wow, there's people transforming their lives. You know, there's these heroin addicts, these homeless people, these people that have like had addiction their entire life that are coming into a, a group, sharing about their feelings, getting a bit of clarity, being supported and going out and changing their life. So I thought, hmm, maybe I could set up something like this. Maybe I could set up a support group for people that just want to improve their life. And to cut a long story short, that's exactly what I did. I went out there and started doing that and realized that the value that I'd picked up in my personal transformation in rehab, in the AA meetings, hearing people's stories and relapses and breakthroughs and journeys and emotions, I was absorbing it all. And I basically created this real solid foundation of how humans work because I was hearing all their vulnerable, you know, honest shares that most people don't get the luxury of being able to experience and hear. So I started helping people and I started to change their life in a, in a nutshell. And I was like, wow, I can make some money out of this. <laughs> I started to, you know, look at, you know, how I could sort of legitimize this help that I was given over coffee mm -hmm. and realized that I could become a coach. So I went and did some qualifications and started using social media to get the clients. And yeah, another long story short, a couple of years later, I'm, you know, moving that. Um, do you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, loud and clear, buddy. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, so just cut a really long story short, about two years after that epiphany that I could help people and add value and get an exchange of value in the form of money for it, I've, you know, used things like membership sites and courses and digital marketing, social media and team building to be able to create a seven-figure online coaching business that covers 47 countries and 
you know, you get to travel the world and, you know, deliver that value in different ways, whether it's speaking or whether it's online like this, or whether it's in courses or one-to-one and just finding new ways to share the value that I have with as many people as possible, because these things that we've been through in our life, you know, they're, they're our biggest teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk a lot about turning adversity into an asset and asking yourself, like, if you've ever wondered why things happening to you then ask yourself why are they happening for you because i honestly all this you know sexual abuse bereavement finding my dad dead this you know all that stuff you look at that on paper and think that's the worst things that could ever happen to you i'm grateful for those things in a really crazy way because they've shaped me as a person i'm now able to help you know you know, the ripple effects, millions of people, you know, I might have 1000 people in our community, I create those people turn those into coaches, they go off and help a 1000 people, they go off and help a 1000 people, mm-hmm. the exponential sort of growth of the impact that you're able to have is huge. And if I hadn't been through those tough times, then maybe I would have never helped those people. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I use the difficult times in my life as teachers, and then used it as motivation to go and share, share it with others and help them out. It, it is the ripple. The ripple effect is insane, and even in the smallest things. So yesterday I was speaking with Svetlana, obviously my wife. She she works with what we're doing on the on the data side. So we re- recently in in our coaching group in the inner circle, we recently created like a leaderboard based on people's activity. So people submit their activity. Uh, Svetlana then creates like a point system, and they get put in a leaderboard. And we only we only launched it. I think about maybe six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. But the people inside the group are freaking out because just seeing their name on a leaderboard go up or go down is motivating them. And the number Mm. of messages that I've had through of saying like, you have no idea how much that leaderboard has inspired me to stay consistent. So I, and hey, I just had the idea and Svetlana basically implemented it. And I was speaking to her yesterday and I said, do you realize by you simply creating this leaderboard, there are people at home hustling hard and their hustle is then turning into $100, $1,000, $10,000, $100,000. And that is supporting their family and the people who are bring, they're bringing in to create that revenue. Their lives are changing through the products or services, their opportunity. Just by you implementing those numbers, which you think at home, just typing in the numbers is not mm. really a big deal, is making such a big difference. I think the other, the other thing I'll mention is I have, I have another friend, his name's Tom Chenault. He's a network marketing industry icon. Um, he's coming up, he's 69 years old. He'll help, he'll hate me if I get this number wrong, but I believe he's been, he, 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 was, an, he was an addict before as well. Um, uh, and he's been sober now for, I think, 33, 34 years. And I was talking to him because one of my family members had, um, you know, had some issues with, with addiction. And he said, when you, when you start out, you're looking, you're looking for someone to hold you accountable. Uh, and then when you when you when you turn you think when you turn things around, you look. The real key to it is you look to hold other people accountable, mm. other people responsible. And I just think that what you're doing now, you're serving so many people, and you're helping them so much, and they're helping you in a really awesome oh, yeah. way too, right? Um, because you, there's no way you would you would. Um, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't kind of, you know, have a relapse or whatever, simply because you've got so much to give other people. And so many people are just looking to you for, for advice and for, for support and for guidance. And I've followed you, I've followed you guys for, for, for a long time. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, Lewis is one of the, one of the partners in the coaching masters, which is, is just on a rapid trajectory, uh, helping thousands of thousands of people, 46 countries, I think you said, 46, 47 yeah, countries. 47, yeah. 
47 countries, which is unbelievable. Um, t- t- tell me, like, we spoke a little bit with chatting, and guys, for those of you who know who know me, like, I don't make notes on anything in these podcasts. I literally just have the name and ask to tell a story, and we kind of go from there. But me and Lewis were chatting a little bit before, not much, but um, we were talking about hunger, because mm. making the decision to change is one thing. But actually having the hunger to go long term to make a lasting change in your life mm-hmm. is such an important thing. For those of you who follow Les Brown, you'll know he says you gotta you gotta be hungry, which is a big part mm-hmm. of hunger. So maybe you could share a little bit more about like like how to create that hunger, how to find that hunger, how to identify that hunger. Because this is really important. And actually, when I changed my life around, people were shocked because if anyone was going to change, it wasn't going to be me. You know, I was the one that, like I said, I just wasn't going to change. It wasn't in my DNA to be able to be this type of person I am today. Mm -hmm. But somehow I did. And I was shocked by it. I thought, how have I done this? (laughs) Like, I just found the the perfect variable when I actually managed to change. But then I needed to think about it and really work out what I did. Because if I could change, you know, people throw around the, if I can change, anybody can, you know. That gets thrown about, but seriously, if I can change, anybody can, right? So I had to think about it. What did I do? Because sometimes we do things and we don't even realize how we did them. There's so many successful people that don't know what they do that's so brilliant because it comes secondhand to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's important to, to understand it. So I, I went back and I thought, what are the key distinct stages and how did I able to do that? And what was the things that you know, enabled me to keep on pushing forward? And I, I put it into this seven stages of hunger. So the first one is very simply is change because people keep on doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result. And if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. And it's so, so important to first of all, decide like what needs to change for you to get a different outcome. Because if you're the same type of person, you're likely going to create the same kind of life. If you're doing the same kind of things, you're likely going to have the same sort of things happening over and over. So first of all, you need to think about like who, do you need to become what things need to change within your environment and like really draw a line in the sand and decide to make that change because until you do that nothing's going to work you need to understand that you're ready and you're ready to make changes that's the first step the second step is motive so you need to give yourself a real reason as to why that change is important to make because if you're like i just want to lose weight or I'm just going to lose you know i'm just going to like make some extra money it's so superficial it's not like powerful and intrinsic enough within your soul that you're going to want to jump out the bed of it each morning and continue making that change because changes are tough you know you've we've always got this like pull to go back to what we know to get back into our comfort zone and if we don't really find something that means something to us something that's important something that hooks into our highest values then we're just going to revert back to what we know so it's really important at this stage to ask yourself why are you making that change who is it going to benefit outside of yourself how is it going to make you feel you know why is this important to you and the things that you care about and you need to really like ask yourself why and why and why and get to the root cause of it so it's deep within you rather than this superficial i want to make more money just because everyone else is right at that point the third stage is move so i mentioned comfort zone a minute ago right if you don't step out of your comfort zone you're going to be in the same territory i talk about the comfort zone stepping out of it feels like moving into a place with more opportunity and less competition because if you're surrounded in the same places of comfort you're around the same people doing the same things over and over again and you're likely again to get the same outcome so you need to step into this new environment in this new territory and the reason why i say it's a place with 
more opportunity and less competition is because not many people are prepared to make themselves feel uncomfortable. Most people want to stay within that zone that makes them feel safe and, you know, and, and, and warm and, you know, they're all their safety and security. And not many people are brave enough to step outside of it. So as the moment you do, you are literally ahead of majority of other people. And it also gives you an opportunity to get a different outcome, to have a different experience. And that's one of the most important stages of change because yeah, otherwise you're just gonna stay stuck. You need to move, you need to do something different. Next stage, obstacles. This is one of the biggest things with goal achievement that most people miss both circumstantially and within their mind. If you don't anticipate everything that needs to be removed in order to be able to create a change in your life, then you'll find that you'll come across the same roadblocks. And when those roadblocks are presented to you, because you didn't anticipate them, they throw you off guard. And again, you revert back. So it could be something circumstantial in your life that might be holding you back. Maybe it's a negative partner. Maybe it's a negative social group. Um, maybe it's, I don't know, your, your work environment, whatever it might be. There's something, there could be something externally in your life that's holding you back from making that change and creating that hunger. But more importantly, what are the hidden mental obstacles that could be sabotaging your success? Because everybody wants to move forward, but not everybody's prepared to untie their shoes before they do it. You need to sit down there and think about what's stopping me from creating this motivation in my life and creating this hunger? What's stopping me from making this change? What's stopping me from identifying my motive? What's stopping me from moving? Obstacles are a big part of that. Is it the self-doubt? Is it the fear? Is it the fear of rejection, embarrassment, humiliation, disappointment? Not many people take the time to explore these, but if you explore them, not only can you break them down and rebuild them in a way that's going to serve you and allow you to move forward, but you can also anticipate them. So when they do come up, you're like, ah, I knew this was going to come. Wow, I'm starting a new business. I've already anticipated that I'm going to have an obstacle of self-doubt. That's something I'm prepared for. When that comes, I'm not going to stop it. Make, make uh, I'm not going to allow it to stop me and you know derail my goal achievement. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to understand it's part of my journey, and I'm going to move forward regardless. The problem is, if you're not aware of these obstacles, then you become reactive to them. You you know you emotionally react to the sensations in your body, and you just revert back to what you've always done, and that means you're going to stop. All right. So that's that. Next one: belief. You have to believe that you can be hungry. You have to believe that you can make this change. You have to believe that you can uh, you know, achieve this motive in your life. All of these steps, they have to be something that you believe. Otherwise you just won't take the necessary steps. You know, if, if I said to you, Fraser, if you run outdoors every single day for hundred meters in a month's time, you will be able to fly. You're gonna say, Lewis, I know that's not possible. So you're not going to find me running for hundred meters anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So why is, why is somebody ever going to take the necessary steps to make changes in their life? If they don't believe that it's worth the action, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be, you have to highlight all your skills and abilities and talents and worth to the point where you look at yourself on paper and go, do you know what? I have absolutely everything available to me to go out and make this change in my life. I have absolutely everything I need to become motivated, to become disciplined, to keep pushing forward, to move out my comfort zone, to remove these obstacles. This is 100% possible for me. And until you can highlight enough things about you 
to be able to fill that, you've still got work to extract them because they're there. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many wins, successes, talents, skills, and traits that people have that lay dormant and unappreciated. But once you can extract them and bring them into your conscious awareness, you're able to feel, feel it. If you can feel it, then you can use it. And when you believe in yourself, you're actually then able to take the necessary action to get that outcome. Last, before the, the uh, second to last one is action. So this one, of course, we know a lot about in the online world. If you don't take action, nothing's going to happen. There's something called the belief cycle. Very, very uh, simple. If you don't take action, you don't see the results. If you don't see the results, then you can't use it to create uh, an extended level of potential within you. And if you don't feel that potential, then you won't take more action. So if you halt on that action stage, then you don't see the results. Therefore, you cause you to self-doubt, self-doubt, and then it causes you to be even more inactive. So you must take action in order to take a step in the right direction and start to see those results in your life. And the last stage is push. Now, I see so many people that do move through all these stages. They're like, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to figure out why it's important to me. I'm going to move out my comfort zone. I'm going to move, remove all the obstacles. I'm going to believe in myself. And you know what? I'm finally going to take this first step. They take the first step, but they don't continue pushing forward. There's this like layer of resistance that you need to break free from in order to push yourself in a new direction, thrust yourself in a new direction to find your new normal. And if you don't push through it, you again will revert back to what you've always done. And this is why I hear so many people saying, I take two steps forward, I blinked, and then I was back at square one wondering where it all went wrong. I was doing so well, but then I ended up just going right back to where I began. And that's because there was that element of resistance. And when you feel that resistance, you have to push forward twice as much. So that's it, the seven stages of hunger. Change, work out what you need to change. Motive, work out why it's important to you. Move, move out your comfort zone. Obstacles, break down all those obstacles that are holding you back, internal and external. Believe in yourself to the point where you feel able to take this action. Take the action necessary to move forward and then push harder and harder until you break through that resistance and move into a new normal. And that new normal is what's going to fill you with the hunger. Oh, mate, I love it. I absolutely love it. There's so many buzzwords in there that especially people in the network marketing space um, hear about, obviously, change and decide. And obviously, it's so great to have it in some sort of framework as well for people to, to look at. And I think as well, a lot of people, it's, it's a great way to, it's like a journey, isn't it? It's a lot of people like, I've made a decision. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to change. I've got the motive. I know exactly why I want to do it, uh, but I'm not getting out of my comfort zone. So it, it, I, lo- I love anything that's journey-based, framework-based. So talk to me real quick while, as we as we kind of come to an end here. Uh, and I know we could have we could have gone for hours and hours and hours. The people listening, I think they could, they could understand. Wait, we want more depth in that. We want more depth in the story. How did this happen? How did that happen? I'm sure we'll be able to do that at another time. But... Talk to me about how the coaching masters was created and what just like what's like the main what's the main purpose behind the service for the people and, and who's like the ideal avatar like why would someone want to join the the coach masters? Got it. So first of all, me and the co-founder Liam James Collins, who's also been on this uh, podcast, we you know we were coaching in our own coaching business and we was creating a huge impact. But we saw the industry and we saw it as like this blue ocean of opportunity. You know, coaching didn't have 
the, the the rap that it that it deserves you know coaching changes people's lives and it changed our lives you know coaching was a big part of me transforming my life it was a big part of Liam uh, getting through you know the devastation of the suicide of his father and being in the London terror attacks and this stuff changes lives but typically the stereotypical coach was somebody who was you know a middle-aged woman sitting in it with a notepad you know in her therapy chair in an office and we were like it doesn't need to be like this so we had this vision of making coaching as fashionable as having a personal trainer and giving it to the ordinary person, you know, so the coaching masters provide ordinary people with extraordinary tools to create freedom for themselves and others, because we don't just teach coaching, you know, as a, as a, as a way of helping people, but also as, you know, a way of creating freedom in your life, freedom in the way that you think, freedom in the way that you feel, freedom in the people that you help and also having an online business. And, um, Actually, you mentioned like who is the ideal person we help. And just before I mention that, I'll just quickly say what we actually do because I haven't really said that. So we essentially train people up to become coaches. Mm -hmm. And then we also help them, you know, build this freedom-based online business. And it's interesting because it sounds like I'm saying this just because I'm on this podcast, but genuinely at least half of our entire members are network marketers. And that's because network marketers, they have a bigger, they have a bigger vision. You know, they're not just there to sell products. They're there because they want to build a team. They want to be leaders. You know, they want to help people. They want to share content. And there's such a big crossover. And I would go as far as saying every network marketer is a coach because they like develop their team. They nurture people. And they're probably some of the best coaches out there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, couple that with like the appropriate tools and techniques and frameworks to extract potential and shift perspective and break down limiting beliefs. And you just become an, an all around awesome human. And that's something we love to do at the Coaching Masters. Oh, mate, I love it. So how, how can how can someone find out more? How can someone find out more about how the coaching masters can help them? Yes. Well, if you're in, if you're looking to use coaching in either your network marketing business or you're not in network marketing and you're looking to become a coach, then yeah, join uh, the web class that we have on our website. So it's just a free online training that will show you everything about how coaching works and if it's for you. And then maybe that could be a fit. And you can, yeah, check that out at thecoachingmasters.com. Nice, simple, thecoachingmasters.com. I absolutely love it. And how can people follow your journey, mate? How can they, How can, what's the best place? Is it a podcast? Is it a, is it a LinkedIn? Is it Instagram? Yeah. Is it Facebook? What is it? The best place to find me specifically is probably on Instagram. And that's at Lewis Raymond Taylor. I'm one of the only people that has three first names as their name. So yeah, that hopefully help you remember it. Lewis Raymond Taylor. And um, yeah, you can also catch me at yeah, thecoachingmasters.com, all sorts of stuff with me on there. We've got a podcast, but uh, actually it's something that Liam's taken more of the reins on recently. So you wouldn't see so much of me there. But yeah, we also have the Coaching Masters podcast as well. Oh, well, you, you guys are great. And it's great to see the impact and it's great to hear uh, English accents and uh, just just crushing it as well. You know, I'm a big fan of raising the raising the standards, especially in the European markets as well. So mm -hmm. guys, I hope that you got value from that. I know that I did. I've got a page, a complete full page full of notes. And I know if we kept going with this, I'd have had a whole notepad full of notes as well. So that was episode 98. Lewis, thank you so, so much, mate, for being on here. I really massively, massively appreciate it. And guys, we'll see you on next episode, which is going to be episode 99. Crazy. See you in a bit. Bye-bye.